Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 33. Now, just before I get started in that, I want to quickly mention that any subscribers of the Comics Emotions feed may have seen the Mandalorian special episode come out on, I think it's Monday, uh, under the Star Wars Comics and Canon banner. However, I was not in that. It was Chris and Dave. Uh, just for clarity, on this feed of Comics Emotion, every, probably Monday or Tuesday or so, there's going to be an episode each week while the Mandalorian is out. It's going to be filled with spoilers, and it's basically going to be people discussing the Mandalorian. Uh, the first episode was with Chris and Dave. I think the next one might be, might have Scott in it as well the third one is some combination of the three of them and then i'm in the fourth one which will be halfway through the series and then i'll be entering again on the eighth one however what i am going to be doing because i'm, I'm basically just really really busy um with obviously doing this podcast genuine chit chat my general life as well having a nine-to-five job lots of other things i don't always have time to be able to commit to a yet another podcast uh, especially because i've got quite a few podcasts coming up over the next couple of weeks uh, so what i said instead is i'd appear on the half well the mid-series episode and the finale episode but also i'd record little snippets about the episodes so that whoever's doing it can basically tack on my little nugget of information in the episode just so you've got a bit more stuff so although episode one doesn't have anything from me in it episode two i believe will have like a i think it's about eight minutes long of me just giving a little bit more information about what happened in mandalorian episode one you know information about the crate dragon and lots of other things too and then i should be a bit more ahead of the game so the next episode that releases which will be a few days after this one comes out hopefully there'll be that as well as my little nugget of information about that episode two because i'm going to be watching episode two tonight so just want to clarify that with the mandalorian if any of you guys are wondering why i'm not doing anything about the mandalorian me chris dave and Scott are all doing things to do with the Mandalorian and they will be on this channel as well as my normal episodes you hear here and if any of you subscribe to Genuine Chit Chat also those as well so just want to get that out of the way and yeah on with the show so this week I am tackling Star Wars Volume 5 named Yoda's Secret War, which is issues of the main run of Star Wars and the first run of Star Wars, issues number 26 up to issues 30. Now for clarity, last week I did speak about the journals of old Ben Kenobi, and that is three full-length comics about what Kenobi got up to on Tatooine, and then one sort of mini-story that's entwined with it as well. Now the trade paperback of that includes those stories I tackled last week as well as everything in this comic too uh, because the thing is with this volume of comics is that it is Luke reading Obi-Wan's journal and in Obi-Wan's journal he's listing what Yoda is doing so it's a little bit convoluted in that regard but they're all fitting within the trade paperback which I believe is being released in the next couple of weeks it's just going to be called I think the journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi and yeah so if you're interested by that and you like last episode in this episode and you want that collection without having to trawl through loads of comics of Star Wars they're all going to be released in one go in this volume as well, volume 5, as well as Yoda's Secret War, that sort of arc, there's also the Star Wars Annual Number 2, which focuses on Princess Leia. Um, the annuals generally are kind of standalone. Sometimes they interlink with other stuff, sometimes they don't. This one is standalone, so I'm not going to be tackling it now. What I'm probably going to do months in the future, when I tackle the Age of Rebellion comics, which are the one-shots, because at the moment I'm doing the Age of Republic, so Age of Republic is prequels, Age of Rebellion is originals, and Age of Resistance is the sequels. When I tackle the Age of Republic, there's a layer comic within that and it's a one shot so what i'm probably going to do is do that star wars annual number two along with the layer one shot because they're both kind of layer related uh, so i just want to clarify that if any of you guys are eagle-eyed and wondered why i haven't tackled it there's your answer and also just for clarity as well um this is really the only 
comic about Yoda, apart from in Age of Rebellion. There's a special with Yoda about him on Dagobah, I believe. And so I'll be tackling that at some point in the future as well. But as I said, that's going to be the Age of Rebellion time, so it's going to be months in the future. Yoda is also going to feature in the High Republic series of comics, but I believe he's primarily going to be in the IDW ones, which are aimed at a younger audience. And at the moment on this channel, I do not tackle the IDW ones. I'm just tackling the Marvel ones because they're generally a bit more adult and there's enough to go around at the moment. Maybe in years to come, if I manage to catch up with all the comics, maybe I'll go back to IDW. But just for clarity at the moment, there's not that much Yoda content as well. He is also in the certain point of view. There's a thing called There Is Another, which is a really cool story about Yoda on Dagobah, essentially at the time of A New Hope. And right at the end of this comic, there's a little bit about Yoda and Dagobah too. And one of the little tidbit I like to tell people, which is from the certain point of view, which is Yoda never really wanted to train Luke. He actually wanted to train Leia instead because he found that Leia was made more disciplined and would be much easier to train and receptive whereas Luke was much too much like Anakin uh, which he's not necessarily wrong about but it is quite funny that Yoda would rather taught Leia. And the last thing as well is this comic itself actually tackles the force quite a lot it's, it's a very interesting sort of take on certain aspects of the force that i'll get into when we come to it but what i wanted to say to you guys is i know a lot of you haven't seen the clone wars series or rebels or anything like that what i would recommend is if you really like the sound of this sort of volume of comics about getting into the depths of the force what is an excellent arc is actually episodes 10 11 12 and 13 of series 6 of the clone wars because that is basically just yoda going off and finding out how to be a force ghost and finding Dagobah and speaking with Qui-Gon Jinn it's a really really cool arc of Star Wars and it gets into the weirdness of the force which is some of the stuff I love the most so as I said season 6 of the Clone Wars episodes 10 to 13 from what I can remember you don't need to see any other episodes of the Clone Wars because it barely touches any of the other stuff it's just about Yoda so really recommend that if you enjoyed this too so these comics Issue number 26 was released in December 2016. Issue number 30 was released in April 2017. The trade paperback, which is the Star Wars Volume 5 Yoda Secret War, that was released in July 2017. And as I've already stated, the Journals of Old Ben, which includes the things I tackled last week and this one, will be released in a couple of weeks. So if you're listening to this in the future, it would have been released in November 2020. The writer for this is Jason Aaron, the artist is Salvador La Roca, and the colorist is Edgar Delgado. And these comics are set just before The Phantom Menace, right at the very start, Yoda interacts with Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, and Obi-Wan looks just like he did just before Phantom Menace. I've looked online and everyone just generally says it seems to be just before The Phantom Menace. No one knows really if it's months or even a year or two, but it, I would hazard a guess it's within two years, maybe three of that sort of time. And also with Yoda, for clarity, he was born 896 years before the Battle of Yavin, and he died four years after the Battle of Yavin. So he basically dies when he is 900 years old, and obviously he's been around for a long, long time, and he is going to be in the High Republic series, as I've already stated. And for a little tiny tip of information, he is 0.66 metres tall, so he is 66 centimetres tall. And for anyone who doesn't understand centimetres, that is 25.9 inches. So basically 66 centimetres or 26 inches tall. Very small guy, but you know, size matters not. So here is the title crawl. Yoda's Secret War. It is a time of renewed hope for the Rebel Alliance, but the Galactic Empire continues to hold its domination and has doubled its efforts to eliminate anyone who'd stand against its rule. The Alliance's heroes, pilot Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia and smuggler-turned-soldier Han Solo have successfully succeeded in stealing a massive Star Destroyer to deliver supplies to an ally planet. 
However, their success does not come with that cost. Darth Vader enlists a group of ultra-dangerous stormtroopers, Scar Squadron, to destroy the rebels, even though Luke, Leia, and Han escape victorious, the stormtroopers, humiliated in their defeat, vow retribution. In order to force another battle, Scar Squadron turns its focus on its new prisoner, C-3PO. And just for clarity, obviously you'd read that and you'd be like, what? I didn't even mention Yoda. The first few pages of this isn't anything to do with Yoda, and then I'll get into that, and then Luke just starts reading the journal. I would say this is probably the least helpful title crawl there is, but then again, I suppose the title crawl is meant to kind of give you an idea of where we are at the start of the story. So anyway, enough preamble. So in brief, the comic starts as C-3PO is in Scar Squadron's ship and he basically won't stop talking. He's just nattering on with not really any information that they can actually use. He's just kind of yammering on. So Vader tells Scar Squad to basically destroy C-3PO and then once Vader's no longer on the hologram, Sergeant Creel says we're going to bait the rebels using C-3PO instead. So back to our plucky group of rebels. Basically, R2-D2 steals an X-Wing to go and see C-3PO, which is very, very cute. And he asks if Luke can use the Force to find him. Uh, Luke says that he can't do that. And so R2-D2 basically manages to deactivate the droid that is in Luke's X-Wing. Because obviously, if R2-D2 has stolen an X-Wing, then Luke had to get another droid to put in his X-Wing to help him fly. R2 basically disable this one and disable the hyperdrive and then shoots off doing hyperspeed into the galaxy to try and find C-3PO and then Luke is basically just kind of stuck in while his ship is rebooting and whatnot and the droid is coming back online and he tries to read the journal to try and work out kind of what to do next because he feels kind of like he's let R2 down because he can't use the force to locate a droid even though I'm not really sure if anyone's done that but I digress. So, Luke reading Obi-Wan's journal, it tells the story of Yoda. Yoda travels to an unknown planet to find this Force-sensitive boy, because what the Jedi do whenever there's a young child that is Force-sensitive, they have these people, I think they're called Seekers, uh, it's mentioned in Dooku Jedi Lost, they essentially go out and find them and basically take them back to the Order. There's an unknown alien species on the planet, and they're basically sort of pirates, and they've got this this Force-sensitive child in a cage, and they're demanding money from the Jedi. And Yoda says, instead of money, he can offer wisdom. Obviously, the pirates don't take to that, and they decide to attack him, and Yoda holds them all in place with the Force. He then makes a couple of them like hit themselves, like punch each other in the face, and says, look, I only want peace. Paraphrasing, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. They then start saying, come on, boys, let's get him, again, even though he's literally holding them in place with the Force, and then the next panel is Yoda walking out with the boy, and there's just bodies of pirates everywhere. So Yoda takes the boy to Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, uh, who seem to be kind of outside, and Obi-Wan peers in and is questioning to himself how on earth Yoda managed to do all that. And while this is all kind of happening, Yoda hears some sort of strange calling. Qui-Gon says that he can't hear anything, and then Yoda says, well, it must be a call specifically for me. So he allows Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan just to take the boy back to Coruscant, to the Jedi Temple, while he goes out into the universe to try and figure out where this is coming from. He goes out to a planet which is not on the star maps, he kind of uses the force to find his way, uh, I believe not dissimilar to what Qui-Gon did in the Age of Republic series, and he basically lands on this planet and is approached by children who seem quite tribal with face paint and whatever on. And the last part of the first issue is got Obi-Wan doing a little monologue thing, and he says, It was a dark and dreary world, seemingly lifeless, yet there was something, a hint of something there, just beneath the surface, hiding, something ancient and powerful, something unexpected. And then the next issue starts with Obi-Wan at the top of a cliff reading out, and I'm going to read what he says. So the Jedi Master followed the mysterious Force call, which was unlike any calling he'd ever felt. He found himself on a dark and dreary, seemingly lifeless world, and it was so hot he thought his face might melt off his skull. No, wait, ignore that last part, that's me, not Yoda. Yet there was something of a hint there, something just beneath the surface hiding. 
And the reason I read that out is just because it made me giggle when I first read it because we can see Obi-Wan sat cross-legged on the top of this big sand dune and the writing of the journal is actually he's meditating and the pen is writing for him, uh, which is really, really cool. It reminds me quite a lot of Harry Potter, actually. But essentially, he's doing that and obviously his mind wanders a little bit and he writes in the journal that his, you know, so hot his face might melt off, which is just a funny little thing about Obi-Wan and oh, I'd love that to be in the Kenobi series. Anyway. So Yoda is basically surrounded by these warriors, but they're actually just children with spears. And they're no older than the students that Yoda's normally accustomed to teaching on Coruscant, but he was not really expecting to face this sort of challenge, but he would face it. And he tells them that he's not a threat and that he's come there to help. The kids with spears don't believe Yoda and decide to throw the spears at him. Uh, the heads of these spears are these blue sort of rock things, and Yoda tries to use the force on them as they kind of, you know, come towards him, but he notes that they're quite hard to like control the force because they feel actually alive. The kids continue to throw spears at him and Yoda basically moves these big rocks that are behind him in front of him so that he doesn't get hit by all these spears. And the kids are quite taken aback by that. They then start calling him the Deliverer and decide to take him home, basically thinking he's got some sort of strange power. So the kids take him back to this sort of weird little villagey thing they've made. The kids are quite young-ish. They seem to be between the ages of from like 6 up to like maybe 12, 13-ish, sort of young teenagers to kids. And they take them to their little village that they've all made, or always kids here, and they take them to these kids called the Sky Screamers. And they refer to the Force as Stone Power, which will make more sense in a little bit. But essentially, these kids are eating these slight slithers of this glowing blue rock, and doing that, they use their minds to scream into the stars to try and get help, and that's obviously what Yoda heard. And eating these tiny slithers of rock increases the strength of this stone power. And they said that there were loads of this rock, there were mountains of it and things, but this tiny amount is all that these kids have. When Yoda asks why the kids are screaming, the kids say, oh, it's because we've, this is all we've got left of the mountain. Every day the rock hawkers make more war, and we chip away more of the stone just to survive. Soon we'll have nothing left but dust, and on that day we will die. And Yoda notes that the stone is not like anything he's ever felt before, but it is definitely strong in the Force. And they're saying they don't understand what the Force is. So Yoda asks where is this mountain, and I'm just going to read what they say because it gives quite a good amount of context to this. The children told their story to the Jedi Master, the story of how all the people of the world once lived together in the shadow of an entire range of beautiful blue mountains. And from the stone of those mystical spires, the people drew the energy of life. They drew great power. But some became greedy and wanted the power of the stones for themselves. Divisions grew and rival factions were born. In the war that followed, entire mountains were destroyed or drained of their power. One side won and controlled the very last of the mountains. The other side was banished to the mudfields. Those mud dwellers began to lose their powers, their way, and eventually, so much more. And the kid says, When our fathers and mothers lost the war and were cast into the mud, they took all the rocks they could carry. Those rocks have always been life to us. Now pebbles are all we have. That and each other. And then he says, well, that isn't exactly all we have. The kids seem to have a prisoner in a cage, once again. And this prisoner is basically like mocking, giving it all that, kind of trying to intimidate Yoda in a lot of ways. And Yoda says that he senses his fear, but he notes that the fear isn't of him. He actually is scared of the mountain. And while Yoda's kind of figuring this out with this strange person in a cage, there's one kid with a mohawk who wants to kill the prisoner, basically saying he's bad. And then there's another kid that stands in his way and says, look, no, we don't want to kill him. The kids go to sort of fight with their spears, and as the spearheads of this blue rock stuff hit each other, Yoda feels a disturbance in the force. He mentions it's almost like the planet is tearing itself apart. 
Yoda then stops the fight by basically lifting both the kids in the air with the force and moving them apart, and he says if he can take the prisoner. So Yoda goes with this prisoner on the walk to this big mountain to try and make some sense of all these things, and while he's doing it he notes that he can feel the conflict of war. And the prisoner calls Yoda a fool for going on this quest. When they get to the shadow of the mountain there's this voice that calls out and Yoda says that he wants to talk to the controllers of the mountain. He says that he brought back one of their own and this voice says well that isn't one of ours he's just a dog. And Yoda says that he wants peace and these people throw blue rocks at him and one of the blue rocks smashes Yoda in the head because he can't quite stop all of them. He manages to push a couple away with the force but the sheer volume that gets thrown at him he gets hit and gets knocked out. He then wakes up and is chained in basically chains made out of this strange blue rock and he is told to get to the heart of the mountain and he looks ahead and there are many many steps to climb. And so just for clarity thus far, so the children that Yoda met when he first landed, which were proper young kids, let's say between the ages of 8 and 12 for ease, they're called, there's three different names for them, uh, muckwhackers, mud eaters, or mud dwellers. So anything to do with mud or muck really. Then the ones that were basically fighting and had that guy in the cage, they're called the rock hawkers. They're more teenagers, so they're probably from the age of like 12 to mm, probably 17, 18-ish, that sort of age. And there will be more, that's what I'm saying. So that's where the issue ends, and then issue number three, or rather the third instalment of this issue, which is actually number 28, it starts with Yoda climbing up this mountain. Yoda's companion is completely exhausted, and he says that Yoda moves like he's a thousand years old, but he's been walking at the exact same pace for hours. And Yoda says, well, the mountain won't come any closer, so we have to keep going. And his companion says that you'll never get inside of the mountain. Every day they send prisoners inside to find the heart of the mountain, but none have ever been seen again. And Yoda says, well, find them we will, or we'll suffer their fate. Either way, a great mystery at last will be solved. And in response to that, the companion says, not for me, and he stands right by the edge of the cliff. And Yoda says, look, if you don't want to climb, that's fine. You, you should wait outside and I'll return for you. And this companion says, look, stop trying to use the force on me. I'm, while I'm holding all these rocks, I know that you can't. You're too weak to save both of us. And so he says, look, you haven't even felt the mountain yet. You don't know what you see or what the mountain sees in you. And you'll wish you'll have gone with me. And the companion jumps off the edge of a cliff. And then Yoda walks the rest of the way alone. And he notices that more so it was the silence that pains him as opposed to the pain of the climb itself which is quite sad, and quite dark. Yoda then continues to meditate, and is basically exploring for days, and then eventually some adults find him, and they seem to be the lost parents. Yoda asks how they got trapped in here, and instead they say that they're not trapped in here at all, they're basically just hiding after abandoning their kids, and essentially the adults tell Yoda to go away, um, and go find the heart of the mountain, and they actually kind of mock him and say there's no heart of the mountain, there's a gullet of the mountain, because the mountain just eats the weak. And Yoda says, basically in retaliation, that, you know, the kids deserved better teachers than you guys. You shouldn't blame the kids for you starting a war and then them continuing this war that you started. If you were better teachers, you'd have been able to help them more. And he basically just says that as he leaves. Yoda then on his walk finds this young boy called Garo, or Garo. And Garo is like malnourished and seems to be almost dying. And Yoda basically feeds him moss that he finds off these stones. Garo says that he owes Yoda his life once he's kind of got his strength back, and Yoda says, look, in exchange, you can teach me, because the kid manages to sort of use the force on these blue rocks, seemingly with ease. And Yoda says, look, I want you to teach me, and he calls Garo master. And Obi-Wan's little monologue comments that a Jedi must be humble, and it's obviously very humbling for Yoda, who's nearly 900 years old, who's been like the Grand Master of the Jedi Order for ages, and is one of the most powerful Force users, and he calls this small boy his master because he doesn't understand the aspects of this stone power, and it's just that the Jedi need to remind themselves to be humbled. 
And then it basically cuts to, like, for a page, it cuts to Obi-Wan and Tatooine and things. I'm not going to delve into what he sees because it's not necessarily relevant. But within that part, Garo, an adult version of Garo, speaks with him and mentions something to him. And then it basically cuts back to Luke reading this and sees that there's this strange pattern that's in the book, as in, in old Ben's journal. And he says that he recognises it in some way. He asks his droid to check it with any star maps or anything, and it seems to be that the symbol was an incomplete version of how this system called Vagadar looks. For clarity, Vagadar isn't anywhere else in canon that I can find. Back to Yoda and Garrow. Garrow manages to teach Yoda to control some small stones and things, and then Yoda moves this huge rock. Well, it's, about, it's a pretty big rock, essentially, and Garrow is, is amazed by that. Yoda says he's absolutely exhausted and doesn't really want to do that again, but in doing so, it seemed to reveal this hole above them. Garo and Yoda climb up through this hole, and they seem to find the heart. And Yoda makes an observation and says, that may be the heart of the mountain, but a mountain this is not. Yoda says that this mountain is alive, and that the stones seem to be maybe part of a living creature. So Yoda says to Garo to meditate and commune with the mountain, and they do that for nine days. And after a few days, there's a warm, fresh air, the kind of wind that goes through the mountain that they notice. And then some sort of lava starts to start going again in other parts of the mountain, almost like blood in a way. And then Yoda hears the mountain's voice. Now, you never actually hear the mountain's voice speaking to Yoda in this part, but you hear Yoda basically saying what he can hear to Garo, or Garo. I can't decide which one it is. It kind of looks like Garo, but I kind of prefer saying Garo, so apologies if I confuse anyone by keep swapping between them. It's G-A-R-R-O, so, you know, I'm just a scrub who can't read. Anyway, keeping that in mind, I'm now about to read. Um, but for clarity, this part I'm going to read is going to be Yoda's part. Now, fear not, I'm not going to do a Yoda accent or an impression, because I frankly can't, but obviously Yoda talks quite strange so when I was reading this I had to reread it a few times so if this doesn't make a huge amount of sense I do apologize but I'm going to try my best to emphasize on the right words so it it does make a bit of sense in Yoda speak so not always has it sat here like a mountain walk it once did among its own kind giants of living stone their world this was protect it against the greatest of threats they did until the smallest of threats proved their undoing people people drove the giants to their knees out of fear out of greed for power into the earth the giants crawled, mountains they became. But still, the people knew greed and butchered the bodies of the sleeping giants until only one mountain remained. And now, that mountain sleeps no longer. And Gara says, um, right, by that you mean the walls are suddenly spewing lava. Don't you think maybe we should... And Yoda says, yes, young Garo, hunger our new friend does, but not for us. And they basically leave the cave opens up, which seems to be the mountain open up to let them leave, but yeah. So they're outside, and Garo comments on the fact that he'd forgotten what light was, because the rock hawkers banished him because he was a coward. And Yoda says, well, you don't need to worry about that, that now you've shown a lot of bravery in my young master, which is a weird thing for Yoda to say. And he says, not only have you shown bravery, but you've also shown wisdom. And without him, Yoda wouldn't have been able to discover the mountain secret. And he says that you've saved many lives, but for now, it's time for you to return to your life. Not as a frightened boy, but as a free man. So I mentioned a little while ago, there's the mud dwellers, which are the young kids, the rock hawkers, which are the sort of teenagers, then the old ones, which are just the parents. So as Garo and Yoda exit the cave, they then descend all those sort of steps and things, and at the bottom of the steps is the rock hawkers. And the rock hawkers comment saying, oh my god, they've returned from the caves, but, but no one's returned from the caves. What does that mean? And they're like, well, it means that Yoda's clearly found it. And then they ask him, 
did you find it? Why don't you tell us the secret? And Yoda says no. And this is a bit I love. I'm going to read this out exactly what it says. So after Yoda says no, they go, I, I don't think I heard you while holding spears in his face. And Yoda says, work, your ears do, just not your brain. Which I think is the best Yoda burn I've ever heard. So just want to show you that with you guys. More of the rock hawkers start to surround Yoda and threaten him once again and saying, look, I'm going to kill you if you don't tell us. And he says, it doesn't matter. My death doesn't matter at all. Either way, finished. This war is. And then the ground starts to suddenly shaking and things. And Gara says, wait, wait, it's alive. And Yoda says to him, no, 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 don't. Gara ignores Yoda and he tells the rock hawkers that the mountain is alive. And basically they all agree that the mountain is then theirs. So they decide to go and try and take it. Yoda tries to stop, but Gara says, look, no, leave. Just shut up and leave. I'm no longer your master. So Yoda returns to the kids, which are the mud dwellers, and he tells them to prepare for war. While that's happening, Garo teaches his fellow rock hawkers how to commune with the mountain, how to speak with it in a sense. And what they end up doing is feeding all their anger and their greed into it. And it is Obi-Wan that comments, the power of the dark side is strong, strong enough to move mountains. And as that happens, you see the, the mountain moving quite a lot and this big rocky hand blast out from the sand. And while that's happening, Yoda is trying to teach the, the kids, so the mud dwellers, to feel the stone power through them. He says that the world isn't dead, it is only sleeping. Feel the life in it. As this is happening, Garo and the rock hawkers have seemingly got some degree of control over the now living mountain. And this living mountain is starting to approach where the mud dwellers are, because the rock hawkers basically think this can end the war if they can control this giant mountain thing. So this mountain being is walking towards where the mud dwellers are, and Yoda goes and confronts it. He approaches the mountain and says that it's not allowed to pass. And the mountain basically just laughs at him. And as he's laughing, there's cracks the ground and little things start to fall off this mountain and it is a mountain it is absolutely gigantic but still yoda didn't move the mountain then yells out there won't be enough of you left to bury little monster and then it shows a panel of one of the rock hawkers seemingly like a leader of the rock hawkers in some ways saying the same thing so it's showing now that the rock hawkers are not only controlling the mountain but whatever the mountain is saying they're basically channeling what one of them comments is that yoda is incredibly small but his stone power is strong even stronger than before they question, like, surely he must have been taught or something, but who was his master? And then Garo kind of mutters to himself, a coward, most likely. A coward and a fool. He goes back to Luke, who is heading to this planet, which was not found on the star maps, and he essentially lands and heads towards the mountain. He sees this giant mountain that seemingly collapsed, and there's one of these bigger rock hands that's kind of sticking out of the sand. A hooded figure approaches and introduces himself as Garo, and he's got lots of these blue floating shards kind of spinning around them. And he says that the Jedi will help him finally finish this war. So I'm now onto the final issue of this arc. And I just want to say, I on Instagram and stuff, I normally post pictures of the cover art and that sort of thing. But I will say, I think the covers of these comics have been some of the best covers that I've actually seen of some of the Star Wars comics. So I don't normally do this because I can't really be bothered normally a lot of the time. But essentially, the cover art for these issues is done by Stuart Immonen. And yeah, I'm going to be posting them on Instagram probably on the day this comes out. So it should be on there by Saturday. It might not be on there till Sunday. So apologies for that. But I really recommend you guys check out my Instagram so you can see these photos because some of the cover art in these things are amazing. And the fifth and final issue, the cover art is brilliant. I won't see what's on it because it kind of spoils, but yeah, it's brilliant. So anyway, the final comic. So obviously Luke is on Vagadar and he's approached by Garo and Garo shoots shards at Luke and one of them gets him in his shoulder. 
Gara is asking Luke about the other Jedi, like, you know, did you see what he did? Is he the one who sent you here? That sort of thing. And while he's kind of discussing things with Luke, he then calls for someone to come out. And as he does that, some of these mini rock beings come out of the ground. So that giant rock mountain being thing that Yoda faced off against, which we're going to see what else happened there, there's basically mini versions of that. They seem to be, I don't know, about three foot tall or so, like half the height-ish of like a normal-ish person, but they're made out of rock. And they kind of, they're. I'm going to refer to them as rock children because they're called that at one point and it gets too complicated if I try and call them something else. And Gara says that these once mighty living mountains have just been reduced to these rock children, and Gara wants Luke to help him kill them. So it goes back to Yoda, and this comic does flick back and forth a little bit, so apologies, but Yoda's basically standing there holding the mountain in place. The rock hawkers all call to each other to push harder against Yoda while he's this tiny little green man is standing there holding this entire mountain back with the force or the stone power, and the mountain basically punches down on where Yoda's standing. The Rock Hawkers think good, Yoda's finally dead, and it shows Yoda that it's actually he's holding his saber up in the air, and it just about stops this rock thing from completely crushing him. And he says that he needs to feel the stone, but also feel me, the stone must. The mountain being then sort of lifts up slightly, and the Rock Hawkers are watching and saying this is ridiculous, this is completely impossible. Yoda, while still standing in that spot holding back this mountain, says, Not so dead is this world, only sleeping help it wake, we must. And it cuts back to the mud dwellers, all those kids that Yoda told to sort of feel the force and things, and they all start repeating what he said, you know, not so dead is this world, only sleeping, help wake it, we must. And Obi-Wan's little monologue says, into the earth those giants crawled and mountains they became, but still the people knew greed and butchered the bodies of the sleeping giants until they were cold and lifeless, but not dead. And you can see the floor, which is all sandy and things, starts to crack open and more and more mountains seem to start popping out. As more of these mountains start popping up, they start becoming bigger, or more of them start emerging out of the sand, and it turns out there's lots of these rock beings that are still alive. Some of them are missing arms or chunks missing out of them from obviously the greed of the people taking from them previously, but they are starting to come out, and as that happens, the rock creature that's being controlled by the rock hawkers collapses. And Yoda starts to walk towards the rock hawkers, and they're all panicking and things, and they point at him and say, look, the frogman's coming this way. Kill him, quick, go kill the little monster. And Yoda's like, no more killing will there be, only learning, much learning. Painful, the lessons will be, but learn them, you must. So back to Luke, he's standing in front of these rock children with his blaster drawn, trying to prevent Garo from killing them. And Gara explains that all the people on that planet after Yoda approached and things left to explore the stars, and in doing so, the stone power slowly disappeared, and therefore the world started to die because of it. And Gara says there's nothing more, just him and those rock children. Gara says that he wants to kill Luke for his life force, because then he'll become more powerful and he'll become strong enough to then kill the stone children and finally win this war. Luke ignites his lightsaber and says, well, he's going to protect these rock children, and Garo shoots a shard of that rock stuff into Luke's back. Then cuts back to Yoda, and those rock hawkers are still running at Yoda, basically threatening him, and he very easily just force pushes all of them away and tells them that they need to learn to live. He then goes and speaks with Garo and says to him that he needs to take his own teachings, he needs to live in peace with himself. And then back to Gara with Luke, he says, Die, you wretched Jedi, and you must help me win this war. And Luke says, Well, look around you, clearly the war is already over, because obviously it's like a barren wasteland. 
And back to when Garo was speaking with Yoda, Garo says to Yoda that they were right, I am a coward. And back to Luke, Garo says that Luke reminds him of Yoda. But more than that, Luke reminds him of himself. And he says that you're just a frightened child like I was. And he says, do you know what the only thing that I was good at when I was younger? Walking away. And he turns around and then all those shards that were kind of surrounding Luke, he was trying to deflect them with his lightsaber and things, they all just drop to the ground. And then Garo muses to himself, he says, it took you sending this boy to me to see. I see it's time for my final lesson. And he puts his hand on that the sort of collapsed rock mountain thing with the hands, the big rock hand that's sticking out of the ground. He puts his hand on that and the bright blue flash of light happens and Garo disappears. Back to Yoda. Yoda basically says that the war between the factions ended. And so with that, Yoda manages to leave. And it's got some nice pictures of the rock hawkers, the mud dwellers and the old ones all reconciling with each other and the parents hugging their children and things. And then it goes back to Luke and... Luke mentions that Gara's sacrifice got it all started, and Luke asks the rock children to show him to the mountain's heart, and Luke goes and awakes the mountain. And the last panels of this is Yoda waiting on Dagobah for Luke, sensing that he's getting more ready. And when Luke is finally ready, he will find Yoda, and Yoda will be there waiting. And that's basically where the comic ends. So I hope the last sort of bit didn't confuse you, all that sort of backwards and forwards things. I did also want to add as well that... There is a really cool comic, which is the Snoke Age of Resistance comic, uh, which I will be tackling in the future at some point when I tackle the Age of Resistance. But if you get a chance to read it, I'd really recommend it because Snoke actually takes Kylo Ren to Dagobah and he goes into the dark side cave that Luke went into in Empire Strikes Back. It's a really, really cool comic. I'll be tackling it at some point in the future. But I just thought I'd let you guys know that because if you can't get enough of Dagobah and Yoda and you've seen those Clone Wars episodes as well that I mentioned at the start, which is Series 6, the last four episodes of Series 6, then you can also check out the Age of Resistance one shot about Snoke and that is where he takes Kylo Ren to Dagobah. But yeah, that's basically it from this comic. Um, it is a good comic. I would recommend people read it, but more so because it's just, you know, getting more Yoda is always a good thing because, you know, aside from a tiny amount in Rebels and then bits and pieces in Clone Wars, we don't really get much of Yoda outside of the films. And obviously in The Mandalorian, there's Baby Yoda, but just for clarity, Baby Yoda is not a Baby Yoda. It is a baby of the same species as Yoda, and no one knows what Yoda's species is actually called. In Legends or in Canon, it has never been known what Yoda's specific species is, and there's only three members of Yoda's species in Canon that we know of. That is Yoda, Yaddle, and Baby Yoda, or rather the child slash the foundling. And just for clarity, Yaddle is basically just Yoda with some hair that is female, from what I can remember, and I think Yaddle just shows up in Phantom Menace, essentially very briefly, and then is not in it again. <laughs> but Yaddle does get mentioned on the odd occasion and is seen occasionally uh, in other Star Wars content as well, but it's basically seen that I think Yaddle was on the Jedi Council at the time of the Phantom Menace, but by the time of the Attack of the Clones slash the Clone Wars, Yaddle wasn't on there anymore. But anyway, that is everything. Thank you so much for listening, guys, as always. Just as a few little things of what you can expect from the future. Next week, I'm going to be tackling the first volume of the Afro comics. It's going to be the first run of Afro, so it's going to be the ones that take place after the Darth Vader comics, uh, which obviously introduced Afro. Me and Tony Farina did touch upon them on episode 30 of Styles Comics in Canon, where we had like an Afro discussion, but we didn't go into enough detail on them, so I thought I would fully tackle them in the standard manner that I do. In the week after that, which will be number 35, that is likely going to be the Age of Republic 
Um, I'm going to do the Django Fett and the General Grievous ones, and the Django Fett will kind of hopefully tie in nicely with the Mandalorian and things. I will do spoiler warnings and whatnot for that, but if anyone's been watching the Mandalorian, you'll kind of know why I'm delving into that. Then the week after that is going to be the Screaming Citadel, and the week after that I'm probably going to do the Lando Double or Nothing comics. At some point in between there, there's going to be like a special episode as well. Uh, I haven't exactly figured out when that's going to specifically land, but it's going to be shortly after it is recorded, and it's going to be airing on both Genuine Chit Chat and on Star Wars Comics in Canon. It is going to be with a Star Wars writer, but I'm not going to say who it is as of yet, just in case things don't happen, which they've all scheduled in, things seem to be going ahead, but you know, just in case. Anyway, make sure you check out my other show, Genuine Chit Chat, where I have a different guest on every episode and speak about a wide variety of things. Uh, some are musicians, some are authors, others are people from the Comics and Motion family, others are just general podcasters, lots of different people, and it's really worth checking out the back catalogue because I'm sure there'll be something that interests you there. And you can find me on social media at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. Be sure to check the show notes for all the other things that I've been vaguely involved in, like Comics and Trial recently, and the Scott Pilgrim Review, and lots of other bits and pieces as well. And, you know, you can contact me on social media if you just want to find out all those things. And I'm going to go now then, guys. It was a pleasure to do this Yoda one with you. I've been looking forward to this for a while, and I hadn't actually read it until I sorted it for this show. So that was quite fun. And, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it too. Anyway, I will talk to you guys next Saturday. And as always, may the Force be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. This week, Comics in Motion has an excellent offer exclusively for our listeners. TKO Comics is revolutionizing the comic industry. They have creator-owned series from heavy hitters like Garth Ennis, Jeff Lemire, Joshua Dessart, Roxanne Gay, and many more. If you go to tkopresents.com slash discount slash motion20 and use the code Motion 20 at checkout, you'll receive a 20% discount exclusively for Comics and Motion listeners. That's tkopresent.com slash discount slash motion20. And use the promo code motion20. Happy reading. Comics and Motion is thrilled to be partnering with Humble to become Humble Partners. If you follow the link in the show notes, you'll be taken to Humble Bundle where you can get some access to some amazing stuff. Digital comics, digital books, video games, coding manuals. The amount of stuff that you can get there is obscene. Plus, you get it at a ridiculous discount. So here's what you need to do. Click that link, go to Humble Bundle. Not only are you going to get great stuff at a great deal, but you're also going to support a charity and you're going to help Comics in Motion keep the lights on. So click the link, go to Humble Bundle, get yourself some amazing stuff. Thanks.